There we go. So, as we're getting into it here, Pastor Jeff kicked off this book and Nehemiah this week. This week we're going to continue in chapter 2. But before we get there, um, Pastor Jeff did a great job last week about talking about a responsive people at the very beginning of it, a responsive people. And the three things that he touched on were very, very important, and I hope that we remember them. And the first one was this, is we need to be a, a person that responds in the way that we perceive what's going on, what, what, what needs to take place, what, what the work that needs to be done, all the different things. We need to perceive God in our life. We really do. And here's the second thing. It was um, to pray. We need to be a, pe a, pe a people of prayer, just like Nehemiah. And the third one was we need to proceed. Sometimes we just get caught in this little stigma of complacency, don't we? And last week, he talked about being those gap fillers for the Lord and proceeding for the Lord. So today, we're going to proceed. We're going to look at Nehemiah, and we're going to talk about his heart and that heart renovation and what it looked like. But before we begin, i got a quick little story for you. Um, there was a gentleman, and he was really concerned and feared that his wife was not hearing as well as she should or as she used to. And he thought she might need a hearing aid. He wasn't quite sure how to approach her about it, and he didn't want to offend her. So he went to his, his doctor and the family doctor and discussed a problem with him. The doctor told him that uh, there was something that he can uh, informally do to do a test so as she wouldn't notice that what was going on, but that would at least gauge if there was a problem for her hearing, then they could go and then try to fix the problem later. And they can, during this gauging, he, they could determine what type of hearing loss, if any, was there. So here's what the, you do, said the doctor. The doctor said, stand about 40 feet away from her in a normal conversation and in a normal speaking tone and see if she hears you. And then after, if, she, if you don't hear anything, get to about 30 feet and repeat the process of speaking in a normal tone in a conversation with your wife and see if she responds. And if she doesn't respond, then get 20 feet away and repeat the process over again. And then get to 10 feet if you need to. And if you, you know, you just keep repeating the process until you get to the point of where you can hear what she's saying. Or she can hear what you're saying. So he's like, that's a good idea. So he goes and he gets home. And after a couple of days, he says, you know, I will try to try this tonight. So he's over in his den. And he thinks to himself, I'm about 40 feet away. So he begins to ask his wife, who's in the kitchen cooking dinner, Hey, honey, what's for dinner tonight? No response. So he gets a little bit closer, gets about 30 feet, and asks his wife again, Hey, honey, what's for dinner? Still no response. She's like, well, must be a little bit better, worse than I thought. So he gets about 20 feet away, repeats the process, says, Honey, what's for dinner? Still no response. So he, then he gets to near the kitchen door, is about 10 feet away, and he says, Honey, what for dinner? Still no response. So he walks up right behind her, and he says, Honey, what's for dinner? And finally, his wife looks at him and says, Earl, for the fifth time, it's chicken.
So in case they, they went over your head just like it did mine the first time I went through that, it was he had the hearing problem. So for all of us, for all of you husbands, I don't think we're minding itself, we definitely here in the cafe have a hearing test for you to take and see how you are before you leave today for your wife. And for those that are watching online, you can schedule your appointment as well. And no, that is a joke. That is not serious. But we do have a list. We can have a listening problem. From the very beginning of this sermon series, or even if you want to go back even to the beginning of the year when we cast off our vision and mission, which we say often is we want to build an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ, and we want to build an authentic relationship with one another. And then taking the Great Commission to our great communities and how important that is. So we talk about our vision and our mission frequently. And in so doing, you know, you can go to podcasts, you can get into your small group studies, and you can get into your, in your grace groups, or to your, whether you're on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays, we got stuff going on, or even Saturday mornings, you know, you have our men's or women's groups throughout the week as well. Whatever you're involved with, or podcasts, some people like to listen to podcasts. Whatever you're engaged in, we are constantly, as long as it's spiritual, we can hear this great commission being poured into our lives. But do we really hear it? Do we have a listening problem? Because sometimes it just feels like the church as a whole, we've been hearing things over and over and over again, but we don't see a lot of movement take place. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Not so much about the hearing, but the responsibility of going with what has transpired after we've heard something or we've known something. The definition of responsibility is this. It's the state or fact of being accountable to something or someone else. Something for which one is responsible. As a biblical reference point, we can go to even Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. You see, when you start putting these things together, God has a responsibility for us, for his people. He has a responsibility for us to do some work. And it's not for ourselves. It's for him. To work hardly for him. Our Father who's redeemed us, who's called us, has called us to work hardly for him. And so today we're going to discuss being a responsible people. Found in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 11 through 18. And you can go ahead and turn there now. And we're going to examine these verses and talk through a couple of different points. And we're going to pick up here in verse 11 of chapter 2. And this is what it says. So I went to Jerusalem, talking, Nehemiah speaking here. I went to Jerusalem and was there for three days. And then I arose the night and a few men with me. And I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me, but the one on which I rode. I went out by night by the valley gate into the dragon spring and to the dung gate. And I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. Then I went to the found gate into the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal that was under me to pass. Then I went up to the night by the valley, and I inspected the wall, and I turned back and entered the valley gate, by the valley gates, and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, and I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest who were to do the work. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in? 
how Jerusalem lies in ruins with derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and he is. And also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, well, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. Let's take a moment and say a prayer and go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we just come before your presence humbly, Lord. You are a great God and worthy of great praise. And I pray, Lord, this morning that these words from Scripture aren't just words on a piece of paper. Father, they are breathed out by you. So I pray that they affect us deeply today, not because of who's up here speaking, but because of the one who gave them. That is you, Lord. May we go, be go, go home and be changed forever for your honor and glory. Amen. So let's talk about a few points. Here's the first, there's two basic points I'm going to give. And I, just because I have two points doesn't mean we'll be done in two-thirds of the time. But we'll be here an extra hour. And no, we're not going to be here an extra hour. Maybe just a little bit shorter. But here's the first point. Understanding the responsibility. Understanding the responsibility. In Ephesians 5.17, this is, listen to what Ephesians 5.17 says. It says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then, you know, and through some of the counseling sessions or through my life, I have been asked this question numerous times of, what is the will of the Lord for my life? And I can tell you quite honestly that you can know the will of the Lord specifically for you. And today, as we go through the responsibilities that we're to undertake for him, if you're a born-again Christian, I'm not going to go through the specifics for each and every one of us because God has a purpose for, specific purpose for you. But what I am going to do today is kind of talk through some of the things of how we can come to a point of understanding them and knowing them and get to a place where we know that we should do them. But you can know the will of the Lord. You can know. This passage of Scripture is in the context of, of Apostle Paul telling the believers that they are to live a certain way in Ephesus and the believers that were reading it thereabout and of us as well today. And in these believers, he's talking about this new man and about this new man, how they were created for these good works and that how they should be imitators, and, and, uh, imitators of God. You see, because we have a responsibility to the Lord who saved us, to do the work and the responsibilities. And to do them, we must first understand them, understand that we are to undertake them. So in understanding our responsibilities, there's two things that I want to talk to you about and how to understand our responsibilities. Here's the first thing is we need to prioritize to know them. We need to prioritize them. You say, it's oh, pretty simple. Let's kind of take a look at a few things real quick. We all have numerous responsibilities each and every day and each and every week, but it's how we prioritize them. There's a recent study that was done in the Atlantic, and it was quoting an author from the 1930s. And listen to what this author in the 1930s stated. For the first time since his creation, man will be faced with his real permanent problem, how to occupy his leisure. How do we occupy his leisure? That was back in the 1930s. And it was going to get to a point where we're going to see this being borne out even though today. 
This thought process that is with technology and humanity advancing, the automatic nature of many jobs, and that would help and ensure that it would make life easier, work easier, work less fit, or make um, working and more efficient hours, not to be strenuous for so long. And that has taken place. We can look back over the last number of decades and see that progression even happen. But what's happened is, is that as this has taken place, our identity would be, would be defined by more of our hobbies and leisure and work. Not so much about our faith. This thought process that was born in the 1930s, probably even before that, but was stated in the 1930s, was even um, thought of even in the 1950s. A philosophy that was even talked about. And one of the things that came about in the 1950s was this workism definition. Workism says this workism is the belief that work is not only necessary to economic production, but also the centerpiece of one's identity and life's purpose. You say, well, what do you, what do you mean? Here's what I mean. Is it just seems like for, for such a long time, people work and they to get by and to do and to live, but more so, especially in the last number of decades, it's like, I want to achieve the highest. I want to rise up the ladder. I have goals. I have aspirations. And so many times I see even in the workplace where people will just be pushed to their very limits. Are you part of the culture that we want to see here? Do you want to give more than anybody else? Do you want to be promoted? Are you that type of culture that's going to expound our product? It's not so much now just working to make a living. It's working and keep moving and progressing and doing. It's that workism. It's your life's purpose. It's your identity. And that's where this type of thought process over the last almost 100 years, people have been really driving towards that's where our humanity is going. And we've kind of seen that. People are working more not just for survival, but because that's where their identity lies. People's leisure or sports activity has risen tremendously as well just over the last 15 years. Really, really quite a bit. About for those ages 15 and above, 95% of the people that are age 15 and above spend numerous hours a day in a leisure or sports activity every day, 95% of people. And people on average are spending anywhere, think of this, anywhere from four and a half to eight hours a day doing a leisure activities, and that can range anywhere from sports, watching TV, doing social groups, whether it's online or in person, exercising or taking naps. And the greatest one of them is watching TV, which most people do on average of three hours a day, even during the work week. And what's really has gone to a trend of is that the trend is this. It's the, and this is, some stats bear this out, is the decline of faith and the rise to many atheisms. And what's that really saying is that this, is that we have taken, we have put our faith in the back seat with a rise to anything else that fits our, our agenda and our priority. Whether it's work, whether it's pleasure, whether it's anything else, we have propped up the priority of us. The point is this, faith and family have taken a back seat 
to many other things, and they become the priority of our life. And many have come to the point in life where the priority of the responsibilities are no longer identifiable by what God desires, but by what we desire and what we want. And what do we do with that? You see, Nehemiah was a student of God. He was a follower of God. He made God a priority in his life. In the New Testament, we would refer to such a person as a follower of Christ. And we have church houses that are filled with followers of Christ, yet so many responsibilities are not undertaken. And whether that's getting involved in work here, getting involved in scriptures, sharing your faith, and that's just some very overwhelming generalities. But we have kind of put the boat of, of prioritizing Jesus' responsibilities off to the side in our life. See, Nehemiah, he prioritizes passions of life, as we saw in chapter 1 and into chapter 2. And there's three different things that he was really passionate about. First, it was about God. And second, it was about people. And third, it was about God's work. You see, when you, got, when you get God up here first, not, you know, the social groups and not the different things. It could be family. It could be friends. It could be your own children that you prioritize over God. You say, well, that's crazy. I love my children. And you know what? I have six kids. I love my children too. But unless I put God first, I can't be the father I need to be to my children. I need to put God above everything else. And Nehemiah saw that there was a responsibility to God first and foremost. We need to prioritize God above everything. It doesn't matter what it is. You can't even be the good worker at your work because you know how we can all get frustrated with our bosses, right? We can't be the good worker at our work if God is not preeminent in our life, if he's not the responsibility to us. If you're not concerned about what God, what, if you're not concerned about what concerns God, then that's a concern. And I'll repeat that again, just so I can say it right the second time. If you're not concerned about what God, what is concerned, I'll say it a third time. If you're not concerned about what concerns God, then that's a concern. There you go. Nehemiah got in tune with God. He prayed, he was prepped, he was acted, and he was ready to rock and roll. And he was, but his concern, first and foremost, was with God. He prioritized him. And here's the second thing. We talked about um, prioritizing our responsibilities. Now we're going to talk about knowing them. Knowing them. You see, for us to understand our responsibility, we've got to get to the bones of what to know, right? We've got to get into God's Word. We've got to know what He's talk, saying to us. We've got to get into a relationship with Him to know what He's saying to us. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 13 and 15, we see in both cases, He went to go inspect the walls. He went to go take inventory of what was there. We don't sometimes are so blind to what is going on around us. We don't know the Lord speaking into our lives to be the influence in our lives because we haven't taken inventory with God. We don't know what's going on. And it was like demo day when he went to, when he went to um, Jerusalem and looked at the walls. It was like demo day. And we're going through that, uh, that sermon series here, Fixer Upper. And there's a TV show. It's getting ready to come back with Chip and Joanna Gaines. We've talked about it a few times. And Chip and Joanna Gaines, whenever they get into a house, they would have demo day. You know, they were going to go in and fix someone's house, and they'd have demo day. 
why they would have demo day, because sometimes they had to get down to the bare bones and the skeletons of the house they were going to work on to be able to then fix it back up. Sometimes you had to tear some stuff down. All right? Well, today is Foundation Demo Day. Today is our demo day. And we just are kind of lucky that we have our own Chip Gaines, who is here with us today. And he has come to help inspect our stage. We have our decorating team that's done a great job with putting some things together. How you doing, Chip? Um, we got some great stuff over here. So, if Chip, if you don't want to examine, do an inventory of some of the things of our deco team and what they've done. They put up together a great wall. Um, Brian, this wall's got to come down. Oh. Well, I know you don't have your sledgehammer, you don't have your tools. I don't have my sledgehammer, but I have my sledgehammer. Okay, well, let's take care of this wall then. Let's, let's, let's do some inventory. Let's have demo day. Well. Done. Oh, thank you. Done. Thank you, Chip. Done. Chip. And for our cleaning crew, our custodial crew, we have cleanup on stage left for Demo Day. Thank you, Chip Gaines. But now that we've had an inventory of our stage, and it's a mess, <laughs> it, there's a reminder, though. Sometimes our life can be a mess. They, it can be. Satan comes in and he wants to tear down the walls and burn the city gates just like Nehemiah saw. Sometimes our lives filled up just like with crazy rubble. That's what Satan wants. But you know what? We serve a great Lord who can come and fix it up. We do. Some, but you, we have to be fixed up first before we can go and help fix up somebody else. We need to take inventory with God. And before we can take the inventory of what needs to be fixed, sometimes we need to do some personal inventory ourselves. When's the last time you took some inventory with the Lord. You see, God's name was at stake in Jerusalem, and God's name is at stake in his church. And I'm not talking about the building, I'm talking about his people. Nehemiah took inventory. We need to take inventory of our spiritual lives starting today. For instance, like, how's your marriage doing? That's a real question off the bat, right? How's your relationship with your parents? How, how is your Bible reading going? How's your prayer life? How, how is your home life? How is your relationship with the people at your work? Is, is the, the playground of your mind, does that need to be tended to? How about this? How about the gates of your eyes, just like the city gates? How about the gates of your eyes? Do they need to be fixed? What are you allowing to come in on a weekly and daily basis? Are you watching something you shouldn't watch? Are you participating or listening in something you shouldn't be doing? Maybe you're not able to even recognize it because maybe you don't know the Lord. I don't know. Or maybe you're not in a right relationship with the Lord. I don't know. But here's a couple of questions that um, I brought from another pastor, actually, but it's still a good use, that... Um, for us to use and reflect on as we take personal inventory today is what I'm doing benefiting me, mainly spiritually, not selfishly, spiritually, because we all want to say, well, how does that benefit me? How does this benefit me? How does this benefit me? It's not about you. It's about him and what he wants to do through you and work in you and live through you.
He cre- he's the one that created you. He created you for a purpose, not a purpose. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, it says, All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. And what Paul is saying to his readers, even though there's certain things in life are permissible and that they may be good, they may be wearing you down. They may be wearing me down, tearing us from each other, or doling your hunger and your thirst for God's word. Is that what's taking place? Is there something that's, whatever you're involved with, that's, is it benefiting you spiritually? Here's a second question. Does whatever I'm doing bring me under power? In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 12, it says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but, not, but I will not be dominated by anything. Here's what he's saying is, Our leisure, our sports, is your work, is your kids, are they bringing you under power instead of Jesus Christ? Are you under the power of something else instead of Christ? Because if then, I talked about this just a minute ago, if you're under Christ, everything else kind of falls into a, the priority in a right way, and we're able to do them in a right way. If we do have a desire to understand the principles that God has for us, but we can't see them because the inventory of our life is out of whack, then really, quite honestly, probably our mindset's out of whack. So we're going to talk about that here in just a minute, too. So here's the second. We talked about the first point was understanding our, prior, our, understanding our responsibilities. The second point is undertaking our responsibilities. God's desire and will for us, as we can see this in Philippians 2.13, it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Whose his pleasure? His. We're here to work for his pleasure. Him. To undertake the responsibility, we need to have a mindset for God's kingdom. And here's the thing, here's that, which is that sub-point of this one is this, is that we need to have a kingdom mindset. There's two points here, the kingdom mindset. Why is this important? Let's take a glance at Peter. You know Peter in the New Testament, one of the disciples who became an apostle for the Lord. And in Mark chapter 8, verses 31 to 33, uh, Jesus, they're, they're on their way to Caesarea Philippi. And as they're going, he made one of his first three predictions of what would take place with him in Jerusalem. And he talks about the suffering and, and, the, and the things about being rejected, that he would, he would be killed, and that, but then he would rise again in three days. And then Peter comes alongside of him and says, that's not going to take place. He starts to rebuke Jesus, Peter rebuking Jesus. And, and so what the irony there is in verses 31 to 33 is two verses before that, Jesus had asked them, who do people say that I am? And they answered him. And then he asked them personally, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, meaning you are the Messiah. You are the one prophesied about. You are God. Come to redeem people. And then just a couple of moments later, he rebukes this Messiah. <laughs> Sometimes our, we feel like we're rebuking this Messiah all the time, right? It's like, no, Lord, I got this. I know what I'm doing. I know what's best in my life. Peter was rebuking the Lord, and it's a very important lesson for us to learn here is this. If we're to live effectively and efficiently, we need to have a kingdom mindset. Peter was walking with the Lord, and his, his mind wasn't right. He didn't have a kingdom mindset. The Lord was about his plan and about his kingdom mindset. Peter's was off. Where's your mindset? You need to get your worldview in order and be cleansed by God. 
We need a, here's the second thing. We need kingdom workers. Kingdom workers. Listen, Nehemiah was on mission for God, and he had a mind after God and was a kingdom man, and thus he became a kingdom worker. He didn't need to pray about it. He needed to say, you know what? I've been saved, and I know that I need to be doing stuff, but let me pray about something for a little while. Or let me go ask something for a little while. Listen, you just need to get to work. The Lord has a plan and purpose for your life. And many desire to want to do the work, but sometimes they, there's a couple of reasons why they kind of feel like they can't. Here's the first one is this. <clears throat> Others. Well, let me, let me uh, go talk to someone first and see if they want to do it too. And if they do it, then maybe I'll go along with them. Maybe you know, it's like serving or getting into a small group or something else. It's like, well, let me ask my wife if she wants to come along. Maybe their passion sometimes isn't where your passion is at. You just need to do what's right for the Lord. Or maybe go ask my friend. I want to go to, you know, go to this place and go to this outreach with a youth group <clears throat> or this thing. Listen, you can't allow culture to drive your passion. You can't. Reactions are going to, going to vary. You're going to be scorned. Look, a few verses later in Nehemiah, they were scorned after they start building the wall. They were rejected. They were rebuked. You're going to have that. You can't allow others to drive your undertaking for responsibility. Here's, your, here's the second one. is not only just others but yourself. You don't feel like you can. I heard, I heard <clears throat> you just don't feel like you can. Sometimes you get in your own way. I heard a pastor, David Jeremiah, who's a pastor out in California, once state it this way. God is building his team in reverse fashion compared to professional sports teams. Athletic scouts go out looking for athletes who already have the gifts and talents needed and recruit them to play. But God, on the other hand, calls individuals to join him, and then he gives them the gifts they need to be a team player and others who are called. Therefore, if you're a Christian, you've been called by God to join his eternal family, his team. When you are called, you're given a spiritual gift. God has equipped you to be on the team. What are you doing with that? Believers are all on the mission for the Lord. And there's three things that, as we see in a church setting, there's, I kind of identify, this is my little three snippets. You can identify with where you fit. I don't know. So there's three, three people that we see usually in a, in a church setting. Here's the first one, is they're a wall, a worker ordinarily lost. Sometimes you see them floating around. You see them sometimes on Sundays or some other time of the week, but ordinarily they're just kind of lost. They're kind of going about life. Or you could be a yo-yo. <clears throat> a yo-yo. Anybody play with a yo-yo? Anybody really good at a yo-yo? No? Okay. A yo-yo is one that goes up and down. You see people, they serve sometimes and they're out. They're in and out. They're in and out. They're in and out. Or you can be what I call a rat. A rat. A rat is this, a radically adherent task force. They're just ready to go. I'm not talking about people who are just really deep in the faith, like Billy Graham. I'm talking about people who are just ready to go because they just want to be used. They know that there's a responsibility to be done, and so they're just going to be listening for the Lord to use them wherever they may be going. It's hard to be a kingdom worker, though. Maybe you are. I don't know. Maybe you aren't. It's hard to be a kingdom worker when you're not kingdom-minded. And it's hard if you're not kingdom-minded, if you're not in a kingdom relationship with the master. So as we get ready to close now, it's a call to responsibility. 
responsibility in our lives. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Have you asked Christ into your life for forgiveness of sins? You see, that's the very, very first step. Very first step, being on his team. Being a part of the team and being equipped by the Lord to do the, undertake the responsibility and getting grounded in him. If you, I would, we're going to pray here in just a few seconds. But if you don't know him, I ask you to confess that sin and get on a team with God. Get into his family. Be born again. And if you are already, I ask you to just come and join in his mission. As Nehemiah went about and did the work, he got others to join him. And so we're asking you, because we do need you. <laughs> we do need you. Join us. We, we, we're, we need you. The Lord wants to use you. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we just come before you this morning. Lord, do a work in us. You created us, Lord, and as believers in your family, Father, Lord, you've, you're going to finish this work that you started. Lord, I pray, Father, Lord, if there's some that may not even know you, I pray that they just repent and come to know you as Lord and Savior. And if there are, then, God, may we turn our hearts totally over to you, Lord. There's people that are lost that need you. Let us be those conduits to lead people to your name and on your team. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's our life lesson. A responsible people is ready to respond. Ready to respond. Are you ready to respond? Are you ready to go? Listen to the Lord. Get involved. Do something. Get moving for him. So out of our seats and into the world. Appreciate you all. Praying for you all.